Damian Parson of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast is here today. He's going to give us his insight into who's capitalizing the most on this year's evaluation period and much, much more on today's episode of Locked On Bucks. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bucks Nation? Welcome to today's episode of the Locked On Bucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and the 10 Tampa Bay Plus app on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. We thank you for making us your first listener, your first view of the day. I'm David Harrison, staff writer at BucksGameDay.com, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. My co-host, James Yarko, the deputy editor of BucksNation.com, part of SBNation.com, not here for today's episode, but you find him on Twitter at JRCO underscore Bucks. I am at DHarrison82, and the show is at Locked On Bucks. Today, we've got Damian Parson of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast here to talk NFL Draft, of course, but specifically overall. And then we're going to get into some Buccaneers stuff as well. So let's get right over to my conversation with Damian. Joined now on the Locked On Bucks podcast by Damian Parson on Twitter at DP underscore NFL National Scout for the Draft Network, host of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast here on the illustrious Locked On Podcast Network. Damien, I know you're I know you're grinding. I know you're grinding away. Just got back from Indianapolis. Um, overall, there, there were some changes this year, right? Like the bench press was moved, media was loud yeah. in the in the stadium for the workouts. What do you think of the the total experience in Indianapolis this year? I think the experience was great, man. You know, you had fans there. Um, it was very if not, I, I won't say it felt like game day, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure some players approach it as such. Like you think about like the moment where during the QB drills where uh, A. Rich and C.J. Stroud were going throw for throw in the deep ball, and you got the, the fans cheering, right? Like A. Rich uncorks a bomb, and then C.J. hears the crowd get loud. He's like, okay. And, you know, it just it amps things up, man. It just felt like a, a really cool environment. Like, yeah, you don't talk much during the 40s, but the other stuff, man, it, it was fun. So I, I like the experience. I feel like they should kind of lean into it more and allow the fans to cheer and get because nothing these fans are nothing these players are going to do is going to be done in silence. All right, like mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean. Like you may shoot free throws at practice in an empty gym, but when you go on the road, it's loud. So you better get used to it, right? So that's I think that's the main thing. Is just like it, it was a cool experience for sure. I think it, it was the right move, and it's a move they should continue going forward. Absolutely. Great stuff there. And, and, it, and it does. I was only there for the head coach and GM interviews. Uh, and then I headed back home and even watched it on TV. Uh, the, the NFL Network guys even said, like, you know, they're, they're surprised by the noise a little bit because they're not used to it. But it, it does. It adds another layer uh, to the coverage. Now, the combine, of course, uh, a lot of people say there's there's three major events in the draft evaluation process. The senior bowl is one. The scouting combine is another. And then pro days, which are, are getting ready uh, to start kicking off are kind of the three big events. We're two thirds of the way through that so far, obviously. So you've you've had a lot of time. You watched a lot of tape in season, and obviously a lot of time uh, to spend on these guys. So far, who stands out to you as a guy who's really building their draft status through this evaluation process? Well, man, I mean, of course, you know Anthony Richardson really coming into the season as a little bit of an unknown for a lot of draft evaluators until about week one when he played Utah and they knocked off Utah. He had the crazy two point conversion with the, the, the Jordan pump spin midair and then throw, you know, through the uh, two point conversion to the, to the tight end and whatnot and things of that nature. So he was, he became a, a, a draft darling where guys, you know, you looked at the size, the, the, the height, weight, the speed and the arm talent is like, 
okay, if Justin Her if we feel Justin Herbert was built in the lab, I don't know what we think Anthony Richardson was built in, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he's built like something that you would do on Madden at a quarterback. So a guy like him building his name up, Christian Gonzalez, man, transferring the cornerback out of, out of Oregon, transferred from Colorado. And the, for my first exposure with to him was over the summer, and I watched him against Drake May when he was at USC in 2021, mm -hmm. and he played him well. Like, yeah, Drake May was able to kind of body him on some plays like a power forward, but you're talking about a guy who has arguably the best coverage skills in this class at the cornerback position in a deep cornerback class. I think he's really – really stood out this entire college football season and then going to the combine, jumping high, running fast, just doing everything, checking those boxes. Those I like to say, check the obvious boxes, right? Like mm -hmm. if, if it's a box that we expect you to check, check it. You know, if, if you're a four, three, like, unfortunately, I got, which, you know, it's not bad, but a Jalen Hyatt, right? Like he didn't check the box. We expected him to check. We thought yeah. four three. You know, we're hearing world class speed. Four four one is plenty fast. Don't get me wrong, right. but like when you when people are hyping you up is that the only trait you have is speed, and you're not four three. You're not four three three four three two. Okay, I was a little underwhelmed, but it's like check those obvious boxes. And Christian Gonzalez did every bit of that. Uh, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, another corner who came into like uh, like people didn't even know how talented that secondary in Illinois was. Him, Sidney Brown. Um, like Jartavius Martin, all those guys tested well. They looked good in field drills. They, you know, they did a great job down. Uh, Sidney Brown was there, of course, in Mobile, and he really showcased his full skill set and then tested well also. So I think those those three guys, and then of course, you think about Deontay Banks and the kids from, from Maryland, Banks and, and Jacory and Bennett, two guys that no, a lot of people didn't talk about much coming into the season, but man, did they have great seasons? And then of course, handling yeah. the the uh the offseason, well, Jacorian going down, making big plays in the senior bowl game. I think he had to pick six uh you know in that game. And then of course both of them su testing sub four four, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that's big time. So though it's of course it's defensive ridden because there's a ton of defenders in this in this class. It, it is, it's a defensive heavy class, but the defense shine, you know, throughout the season and in the offseason circuit. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned someone I've just recently kind of begun acquainting myself with is Maryland cornerback Deontay Banks. Uh, I saw Justin Mello over at TDN wrote uh, something about him being a cornerback who should be in that first round conversation, kind of with the guys like Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr., uh, and so forth. Do you agree with, with that sentiment? Should Deontay Banks be a first round conversation cornerback? Yes, I think he is. I haven't finished this deep dive yet, but, you know, my guy Keith, you know, who's the my co-host over at Locked On NFL Draft, he he has him in his region, so he spoke well of this young man. And then being able to see him up and, up and close and personal, I think he weighed in like he he measured and weighed in like six one six two over two like around right around two hundred maybe a little over. But like just watching this kid move, right the sub four four, the four three and the forty, the speeds there. Um, you know, he's to me he's a press man corner from what I've seen from him, and I really like that. You know, and, and to have that speed and be a press man corner is big time because you know you can kind of play the cat and mouse game. You can be patient. You don't have to just be physical and and, and really uh, try to wrestle receivers in the contact window. You can just soft soft press those guys. Be patient. Let them dictate. Let them do all the head fakes they want at the line of scrimmage. And when they release it to their stem, you get hands on and squeeze them. So he's impressed me for what I've seen. I can't wait to finish the deep dive of this young man. But I do think he deserves to be in round one. Absolutely. And then Mello mentioned that there was a comp uh, out there about him, about Banks to Jamel Dean.
Of course, Buccaneers mm. fans are very familiar with Jamel Dean. We expect to lose him from the Buccaneers roster yeah. in free agency, unfortunately. But hey, if if Deontay Banks compares nicely to Jamel Dean, then then who wouldn't love to see another Jamel join Todd Bowles's uh, defense? Today's episode of Lockdown Bucks is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and the calories, then you've got to try Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty, and they're so delicious you're not even going to realize. That they're good for you because they're all covered in 100% real chocolate and come in amazing flavors like peanut butter brownie, all while maintaining those amazing macros you're looking for. They only have 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, but they bring you 17 grams of protein. And for years, we've been telling you to go to Built.com, get your Built Bars through the mail, but now you don't have to wait for the mail. You can go to Walmart and get yourself a 4-bar box of some amazing flavors, or you can go to Sam's Club and get yourself a 13-bar box of some amazing flavors. Of course, if you still want to, you can go online, go to built.com, even more options in the flavor category like gluten-free brownie batter puff and the all-new mint brownie puff. Whatever your preference is, grab yourself a built bar built different. Parsons National Scout for the Draft Network, one of the hosts of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast here on this network on Twitter at DP underscore NFL joining us here today talking, of course, NFL drafts right around the corner. Damien, I've been pushing the tight end narrative uh, recently on my show, and and I've got a little bit of pushback. People really <laughs> like Kate Otten. But look, I like Kate Otten, too. I just don't necessarily believe that Kate Otten has shown enough to be the guy. And I think that in, the, in a class yeah. as talented as this one, you still take a shot at a guy. And you know what? If Cade wins, if the other guy wins, either way, you end up with a really good uh, tight end. So. Let me start with 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 this. Who is your top three, and in what order do you have those three top tight ends? Uh, my type, my top three is Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, and Luke Musgrave. Um, and the order, the order has changed frequently as I continue to watch tape on these guys. It's seeing Luke Musgrave in person. Um, right now, it is uh, Dalton Kincaid at one, Luke Musgrave at two, and Michael Mayer at three. Michael Mayer, I think he, you know, for everybody knows who he is and what he's capable of. I think I'm, the ceiling to me is vastly limited. Um, you know, and, and the, the comps have been thrown around is Jason Witten. I love Jason Witten, Hall of Fame type of career. Would Jason Witten like have the the success he's had throughout his career in this day and age with the all the athleticism? Yeah. It's, it's a different game now. So yeah. I want guys for me, this is just a personal preference. Dalton Kincaid. Is has probably has the best receiving package out of all these guys. Great route runner gets in and out of his breaks very well. Quick has speed. Plays the ball at the highest point. Knows how to find soft spots in zones. Beat man to man coverage. And of course, winning the red zone as well. He could do all of those things. He's got to improve as a blocker. But um, a lot of the, but I think he competes enough to where it's just like hey, technique technical things and maybe getting a little functionally stronger. Luke Musgrave is six six on, on to to the T. You know, I've seen him up close and personal. He looks great when you first, when you, you know, visually. 6'6, about 250, and he can move. He, he you know what I'm saying? He got that that tall, knows how to drop his hips better than expected. But just when he opens that, he's like a gazelle galloping, man. When he opens that stride, he can pull away and and, and make plays at all three levels of the defense as a receiving option. And I, and I feel like, you know, we haven't seen a lot of him throughout college. But I just believe that this young man has a high, high ceiling. To where you get him into a vertical offense that's gonna let him stress the seams, the skinny posts, the go routes, and the corners. Like you're gonna create some issues for defenses with him, especially if you have other weapons, you know, involved. 
Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's definitely one of my favorites. And I mean, the, the thought of having Kincaid and Kate Otten on the field at the same time, I mean, Kyle Trask, I mean, you, you couldn't ask for much more help. And then you got Mike Evans and, oh, by the way, Chris Godwin is out there as well. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if, if Kyle Trask can't get it done with those weapons, then it may not ever happen right. for him. Um, another guy that's been picking up a lot of steam, at least in social media circles and fan circles, Darnell Washington, tight end mm-hmm. out of Georgia. Um, do you think he'd be a fit in Tampa, kind of considering that that new offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, is coming out of Seattle and we expect – I mean, he's really tightly bonded with Pete Carroll, so we expect a lot of those flavors to transfer directly over. And then, of course, you do have a young quarterback in Kyle Trask. Could he could he potentially fit in there if, if not one of those top three guys? I, th- I think he could, and I think he could be had in the second round where he tested well. Um, he looks phenomenal. I, I stood close by him, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's six five six six for sure. Like, you know what I mean? Big boy, big body guy, and, and he was very lean. And the thing about he, he's the best blocking tight end in his class. So he's he, we hear the term that's recycled over and over again. He's like a six offensive lineman. That's legitimate. When you watch him on tape, he moves guys, man. And, yeah. and really just kind of displaces guys and helps in the run game. And when thinking about starting a young quarterback like Kyle Trask, what do you want to do? Lean on the run game, control the clock, give him play action pass. And, and Darnell Washington will help with that. Then his ability to leak out off of tight end delays, attack the scene vertically off, especially off those. You think back to Tom Brady in New England with Gronk, right? Like Gronk wasn't the most athletic and like explosive athlete in the straight mm-hmm. line. But when you get that run game going, you start show you know play action faking, and then you come off of it. Guys are making that false step forward. Now you got a big six foot six, six foot seven, two hundred sixty pound tight end rumbling up the seams, wide open, and you just put a helmet or higher, let him go make the play and, and things of that nature. And you think what he can do in the red zone, man? There's there's plays he makes like six foot four safeties look small, and he just catch, just catches the ball over him. So I think I and I think from a from a receiving standpoint, he was underutilized. So I don't even think he's like a finished product as a receiving threat. Like you want to use him up the seams. You want to use him in the quick game. Um, let him get the yards at the contact, uh, you know, after the catch and whatnot. Um, you know, crossers and tight end delays, over routes. You can do different things like that with him. Um, you know, he's not going to be the most fluid mover, of course, because he is a big muscular guy. But I think he could fit for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the more I see of him, the more I like him. You kind of mentioned that extra offensive lineman. And I think that's part of the appeal when you're looking at the Buccaneers. They've, they've obviously got some some work they need to do on their offensive line and now even more work because they released their veteran Donovan Smith, who up and down throughout his career, but at least is a very consistent presence on the on the on the team. Uh, very, very healthy, very, very available type of uh, tackle. Mm-hmm. So when you look at, at the draft, you know, and obviously there's, there's still a lot of work to be done and a lot of signings are going to kind of change some of these these trajectories, but if the if the draft were happening this weekend and the Buccaneers are staying at number nineteen, where do you think the ceiling is? Who's who's the best tackle they could possibly hope to get to try to replace Donovan Smith in this year's class? Um, man, I would think at nineteen, hopeful. It's kind of a, a strong hope. It's like yeah. a Broderick Jones out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, six foot four, three hundred pounds. Good arm length, you know, he's hit like 19 miles per hour on the GPS. You know, he's physical. He reminds me of so much of Icky Aquanu Aikamakwanu, who was like the sixth overall pick last year to Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, he reminds me so much of that young man. And we saw how great he became with more reps in his, you know, in his uh in his uh, arsenal to be able to really get the 
the, the lay of the land is a is a young rookie offensive tackle playing every game, right? Um, yeah. if not him, like you think about Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Darnell is is viewed as a right tackle because he played right tackle this year, but in 2021, he played left tackle. He only moved to the mm-hmm. right because they had a young freshman that they had to get on the field because of how talented he was. So it was like now they have two bookend tackles essentially, and just that that inside that that side to side flexibility he gives you, but strong guy can really help in the run game. Um, and he gets out of his out of his stance very well, gets enough depth, protects the inside shade and the inside leverage or the inside track against guys who want to counter the uh, the speed rush to you know cut across the face. He does that well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he could be a guy in play at 19. And then um you think about potentially a Paris Johnson, more more of the athletic type. Really good athlete, played right guard in 2021, so he gives you flexibility there. Good feet, strong, um, you know, but he like he's got strength, but he has to continue to add strength because he's still young, so he still hasn't grown into his um, development to his fully grown man body, mm-hmm. where he has that full strength of you know of being a 24, 25 year old grown grown man. But I think he's a really talented guy, and that's someone that you potentially could get um, at 19. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you real quick. So Luke Gedeke, and I don't know how much work you did on him leading up to last year's draft, right? He was a right tackle in college for most part. The Buccaneers decided to try him out at left guard. Kind of looked good early on, but then he also got worked. Now, now his his leadership, right, is his his head shed kind of come out and say, look, he faced a lot of like top three, top five, three techs. So don't don't murder him too much. We think he's kind of getting a little bit of an unfair bill there. But now the, the conversation hasn't been confirmed, but we're kind of looking at do the Buccaneers potentially try him back out at right tackle where he was in college and now give him that shot in the National Football League? Do you think that's something that could possibly work? And I know, again, you're not a Buccaneers beat writer, so it's not like you studied Gedeke in his, his rookie year per se, but just the experience of starting a guy in the NFL inside and trying to kick him outside. Is that something that you think is feasible? Or is that almost like, okay, we're just kind of grasping his straws to see if maybe he can stick before we cut him loose? Uh, it is feasible, but you have to be careful more so from the aspect of, you know, hindering of development, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, cause the, the movements are different. It's one, you know, playing right tackle, you're on an Island. I always talk about it, man. Like the two toughest positions to play in football is tackle and corner. Cause you're expected to play on the Island like, uh, versus a better athlete. That's getting the charge at you and you have to retreat oh. and stay within in, in range within phase. So I think you, you know, you really have to be careful with like moving them too much. I feel like this, if he's, if he's really comfortable at guard, and you're comfortable with him at guard. I leave him there because mm-hmm. it's 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 for me. I regardless of who plays quarterback, if you can solidify the interior, you can have a comfortable quarterback. You know what I mean? To okay. where now, okay, I understand what we have. All right, he's at guard. We have our interior, our three interior offensive line set up. Now, you know, we have to worry about our tackles and um. And I think that's the, that's the biggest key is like if he, if he's comfortable, I would not for me from what I saw from I did like you know the the limited stuff I saw from him live in games at uh, you know kick down inside I say you run him there again the main thing is getting the best five on on, on the field right so you know whether it's you know Tristan Wirfs a rookie left tackle uh, Godkey at, at guard or wherever Tristan at left Godkey at right and then you get somebody else to throw at guard you find your best five and you yeah. roll with that because that's going to be that's going to allow them to get in that cohesiveness and you want to find that early so those guys can get cohesiveness early in camp where they can communicate well they see things the same and they're just a well-oiled unit coming up next we're wrapping up our conversation with Damian Parson of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast right here on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day 
Locked on NFL Draft Podcast on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. Join us here on Locked On Bucks to talk. Obviously, NFL Draft. Uh, Damien, your post combine mock draft, you sent Brian Branch out of Alabama to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number 19. Can you talk about kind of that pick and, and why you went there and then kind of what that projection for Brian Branch in the NFL could look like? Yeah, I, you know, one thing for Todd Bowles, like having corners is big, having safeties is big as well. And uh, Brian Branch, even though he was listed as a corner for some odd reason at the combine, uh, he's the safety and he fits. You know, you know what you have with Antoine Winfield and it just gives you that flexibility, man, Two like high instinct. Uh, impactful ball, the you know, ball players in the back end of your defense. Both can play. You can play too high. You can rotate one down, playing the nickel. You can rotate the other one down, playing the nickel. You can do a lot of different things, and it allows you also to where you can run some three safety sets if you like, right? If you have another strong safety that you want to play too high, but your nickel corner doesn't tackle well on third, on, on first or second down, you could bring a Brian Branch down and he'll be plus one in the run game and give you some of that as well. So that's why I was like, you know what? Like quarterback is a need, but I want to continue to build up this defense and get Todd, Todd Bowles back into his bag and allow him to just be as creative as possible with multiple defenders and DBs to disguise coverages. Cause at the end of the day, you want to, you want Patrick Mahomes to hold the ball as long as possible, right? You want Dak Prescott to hold the ball as long as possible. Whoever it is at quarterback that's in your way from getting to the Super Bowl, you want these guys to hold the ball as long as possible. So disguising and creating coverages that will do that pre-snap, always talk about changing the pitcher, show them a, a nice sunny beach pre-snap, right? And then show them a blizzard post-snap where it's like it's not comfortable. I love that. I love I love that analogy. That's that's beautiful. Uh, and then you have Derek Hall in the second round out of Auburn, also heading to the Buccaneers. Um, this is an edge guy. And again, I, I like to consider myself a smart football guy, but you study these guys, uh, you know, for a living. So is, is he a stand up only kind of guy? Because that's kind of what I feel like. So you're talking about yeah. mixing him in there with Shaq Barrett, uh, Anthony Nelson and Joe Tryon Schwenker. Do you is there a little bit of scheme versatility where maybe in an even front he could drop down? Yeah, a little bit. He, he can. He can do a little bit of both. He's at really athletic, um, explosive guy. I think he ran four sub four six, like four five five or something like that at the combine. But like, you know, he he's somebody that can play his hand in the dirt. He can stand him up. And they even dropped him off in coverage. I prefer him going forward, of course, so that he can, you know, really impact the passer. But now I talked to one of his um his on his defense former defensive line coaches, and he said, Man, he takes setting the run personal. It's like, man, this is a guy that you really want to have on first and second down for sure because he's going to make sure the tight ends, he's going to close that gap. He's going to, you know, maintain leverage. He's going to block shit, guys. There was a rep against in team drills um, down in Mobile versus Luke Musgrave where they were doing a uh, you know, low low red zone, probably about the 10-yard line. He tried to run in, in, in Derek Hall's direction, and he just you just saw how quickly he got his hands fit into the chest of Luke Musgrave, how quickly he threw Luke Musgrave, who is 6'6", 250, 255, yeah, to the ground, right? So he understands how to play with leverage. And, and one thing I love about him, too, like listening to him um, and talking with him down in, in, in Indy, he, he said that he he's worked on his game so much in terms of adding counters because, yeah, he, he loves the speed, the power with the long arm. He loves that. And he's mm -hmm. like, it works. And when it works, perfect. He said, but when it didn't work, I got stuck on blocks. So having that self-awareness, I always, I say this all the time, man. I want to I want a prospect that's self-aware. When we ask, what's the problem? Like, you know, what, what it is, uh, what's going on? How can you improve? 
I don't want to hear you say, well, nothing really. Like that lets me know that you're not really watching your own game. And uh, so like he he was very aware of that. So I think he could be a big asset to your to to the defensive front. And again, just being flexible, right? Maybe you slide uh uh, try on down in, ahead of a guard, and you got Derek Hall, you got Shaq Bear, and then you got um, you know, Big Boy Vita Vea, you know, what I mean, right there at the one or the three tech, and now you got you a, a loaded pass rush with a lot of length and athleticism and power to really collapse the pocket. Absolutely, we know that's something the top bulls wants to get. Vita Vea leading the team in sacks is not something that they want to have. Not what you really Again, want to do. <laughs> love it for Vita, and especially at contract time, love it for right. Vita. But don't love it for everybody else. <laughs> Great talking draft with you. Damian Parson on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. Make sure you're giving him a follow if you're not already. National Scout for the Draft Network, host of Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. So make sure you're checking out him and Coach K, Keith Sanchez on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. And, of course, at thedraftnetwork.com. Damian, appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Once again, a big shout-out to Damian Parson of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and Draft Network. Uh, of course, thanks again. To him for joining us. Thank all of you for joining us for this conversation, this episode of Making Locked On Bucks, your first listen or view of the day. For your second, if you like Damien, want more of Damien, head over to the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Find him and Keith Sanchez providing in-depth coverage of the biggest NFL draft prospects with deep dives into the sleepers and hidden gems that can change your favorite NFL franchise. Find Locked On NFL Draft wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day we will be back with another mock draft monday episode all leading into legal tampering opening up monday afternoon so hang with us hold on tight it's going to be crazy it's going to be wild unfortunately the buccaneers probably going to lose some guys and it's going to be interesting to see where those names land wind up and see if the buccaneers can retain any of their own talent if you've got mock drafts we've got a whole lot of mock drafts in fact guys monday might just be all bucks fans mock drafts because we've got so many we want to get as many through uh, as we possibly can. Keep them, keep sending them in either to the Gmail inbox, locked on bucks podcast at gmail.com, or you can DM them to us at locked on bucks on Twitter. For James Jarko, I'm David Harris. Until we speak again, make sure you're checking out everything we're writing at bucksgameday.com and at bucksnation.com. Also, find us on Twitter at jarko underscore bucks at dharrison82 and again at locked on bucks. If you're on about, Please be safe, be kind to one another, fire the cannons. Thank you for joining me right here on Locked On Bucks.